This week on Geek Explained, with Tim Drake making front page news, I figured it was the perfect time to talk about my favorite Tim Drake story of the last decade. So join me as we put the Geek Explained spotlight on Detective Comics, A Lonely Place of Living. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about my boy, Timothy Jackson Drake. Uh, if you hadn't heard already, my boy is front page news, and the best Robin is finally getting the spotlight he deserves. So, fittingly, we're going to be putting the Geek Explained spotlight on one of my favorite Tim Drake stories, one of the best Tim Drake stories, in my personal opinion, as part of the James Tynan IV rebirth run of Detective Comics, A Lonely Place of Living, one of the all time great Tim Drake stories. I cannot wait to talk to you about this. I loved this run, and specifically, this arc in particular is such a love letter to Tim Drake, and I absolutely can't wait to share my thoughts on this arc with you. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I talk to you about all the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. But first, let's check in with all of this week's news. All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous, and oh boy, is there plenty of news to talk about. Lots of news. Let's just dive right into it. I'm going to kick things off with film news. First piece of film news here, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi had its premiere, its worldwide premiere this past Monday, and, uh, Apparently, it's already making waves. Really, really positive feedback so far from everyone who's seen it. I, myself, am very excited to check this out. I cannot wait to get into a theater and watch some Shang-Chi. They've also mentioned both uh, Feige, Disney, Marvel, all of that, that uh, Shang-Chi is going to be a theater exclusive. uh, No Disney Plus, Premiere Accents, whatever. Uh, Looks like Black Widow is probably the only one. Uh, of the Marvel films that is going to be doing the Premiere Access deal, which I guess lends credence to Scarlett Johansson's big lawsuit with them. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, but mm, I'll leave it to you to make a decision. Uh, We also got the news that Venom Let There Be Carnage has been delayed from its original September release date to October 15th, which makes more sense to me personally. Um, Having something that's like, oh, edgelord and scary, like, you know, like Venom is, uh, makes sense to be part of the... October season makes sense to be part of the Halloween season with all the spooky spooky stuff going on around there and maybe I don't know maybe I'll do like a little Venom episode who knows who knows Geektober is just around the corner I can't wait but um 
It doesn't really uh, make a big difference to me. It's just a delay of a month. Uh, we've seen films that have been delayed, you know, uh, a year to 18 months. So I don't think this is a huge deal, but I know people who are wanting to see it right away are going to be a little disappointed. But again, October is less than two months away. We will get there eventually. Going to hop over to miscellaneous news we got three pieces of video game news for you first off uh fortnite has completed the trinity uh fortnite announced that wonder woman will be coming to the platform uh there's i don't know some kind of cup for Wonder. i didn't is there cups are there like is the, are there like mario kart cups in fortnite uh i don't know i don't play it i've made it very clear that i don't play it i'm not a Fortnite um, enthusiast. No shade or anything to people who are fans of Fortnite. If you're a fan of Fortnite, more power to you. But um, it's cool that we get the Trinity in uh, in a game with as high a profile as Fortnite. But I mean. I don't know. Uh, we also got the uh, release of two pretty exciting expansions this week. First off, Ghost of Tsushima's Director's Cut drops this Friday as of this recording, August 20th, and I am stoked. It was my game of the year last year, and this is not only going to be getting a PS5 upgrade, new goodies all over the place. We're also getting the Ghost of Ikishima expansion. Very very excited about this traveling to the island of Iki to figure out what's going on over there I cannot wait this is very very exciting for me and also we have dropped the uh Marvel's Avengers War for Wakanda expansion uh, this earlier this week. By the time you're listening to this, it should already be out. So hopefully people are enjoying it. Um, I'm still waiting for it to finish downloading because it's a big old file for the PlayStation 5 to uh, download. But I'm excited to play it. Really looking forward to seeing uh, Christopher Judge's portrayal of T'Challa. Looking forward to seeing a lot of the improvements. And we also got the news that they are going to be dropping an additional MCU skin i believe this thursday as of this recording uh which is the avengers one captain america skin i think pretty universally people's least favorite captain america costume um it's not anywhere near bad um the helmet is really the problem with it though i have softened on it in recent years but i am still mad because i'm waiting on the first avenger costume give me that first avenger costume what are we doing here if we're not going to do the first avenger costume cap has i think maybe i'm over exaggerating or maybe i'm forgetting someone probably the worst selection of com of costumes right now um it's improving it's got that rad comic book costume and then they just added in the uh end game costume and now this one but that's like three costumes out of like how many recolors and reskins that we've had for him give him some better costumes is all i'm saying but still excited about the avengers cap skin and apparently uh spider-man is still supposed to be coming to avengers in 2021 yeah yeah, buddy, we'll see. Uh, still a PlayStation exclusive as far as we know, but I will not be holding my breath that it comes out before the end of the year. Uh, hopping over to TV news, we found out that The Bad Batch, which if you've been following along, uh, has been a hell of a show. 
got renewed for a second season that's going to be dropping in 2022. I really enjoyed the first season, had a really fun time with Wrecker, Hunter, and the whole band, and I can't wait to get more of them next year. We also finally, finally, finally got a trailer and release date for Doom Patrol Season 3. Oh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, It's going to be dropping on September 23rd. Uh, I can't wait. I am very excited. I love Doom Patrol. The second season didn't quite hit the heights of the first season for me, but that is largely in part due to production having to halt due to COVID-19. So I'm hoping that with season three, we kind of get back into where the first season left off and where the second season felt like it was going for the first half. So really, really excited about it. I can't wait to dive back in and find out what's going on with the strangest heroes of all. Uh, We also got potentially a big old leak for the costume for Disney Plus and Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight. It looks fine. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the final costume or if this is like his proto costume before we get something that's a bit more streamlined, but I'm getting uh, I'm getting some very interest some very like Arkham mummy vibes from this. Um, it looks interesting. Uh, apparently, this leaked out uh, this past week, and Disney has been going after the people. So if you've shared that leaked image, now would be a great time to take it down. Just be careful, friends. Is all I'm saying. The Disney legal department is no joke, but. I think the suit looks fine. I'm more interested to see it in action and see how it moves, but we'll just have to see when we get our first footage of it. And then finally in TV news, we got the very first trailer for Star Wars Visions. We've talked about this before. This is the, I believe, seven-part series where it's like every episode. It's basically anime Star Wars, which is all you need, which is all I need to get excited about this. But each episode is handled by a different, um, I believe, a different artist, different studio so we're getting seven different stories from throughout the star wars universe all paying homage to classic and modern anime with all the stylings some of them will be japanese dubbed i am stoked about this the galaxy just got a lot more asian and i am all all and it is all the better for it i'm very very excited about this um bring me more star wars asian goodness i'm ready for it and then we're gonna round things off with comic book news because this is by far the most amount of news that we have this week um First off, the Substack stuff. We've got a lot of creators going over to Substack. Uh, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, Jonathan Hickman. And the biggest news that I thought, and something that's relevant to this week's episode, is that James the Fourth is leaving DC for Substack to pursue his creator-owned stuff. Uh, he said that his last Batman issue will be 117. Uh, looks like uh, George Jimenez is going to be staying on the book post Tynan leaving, but if Tynan's happy doing his creator-owned stuff, he's making a good living off of it, and he's able to have more control over it, all the more power to him. But I will be sad to see him go. I think his run on Batman has been stellar, and I was really looking forward to see 
him seeing what they would do with it after the conclusion of Fear State, which is kind of what it's all been leading up to. But we'll just have to see. I mean, I think it's still going to be a great arc, and I can't wait to see who they are going to bring in next to Helm the Bat. We also got the announcement of three different big old comics. The first off being Wonder Woman Evolution, which is going to be an eight-issue miniseries written by Stephanie Films with art by Mike Hawthorne. We found it. We finally figured out where Mike Hawthorne was going to be landing after he left Daredevil and left Marvel, looks like. And it, I guess he's doing this uh, Wonder Woman miniseries that's going to be joining up with uh, Wonder Girl, the Nubia miniseries, uh... If you are a fan of Wonder Woman, if you're a fan of the Wonder Family, you are going to be eating very well for the rest of the year. Um, This looks like it's essentially Wonder Woman pleading with the gods and, I don't know, possibly going to war for the fate of the universe. So I think this is cool. Mike Hawthorne is a killer art artist stephanie phillips is a great writer so really looking forward to seeing what this story entails we also got the announcement of the gotham city villains and anniversary anthology one shot it's going to be like a 90 page anthology one shot and the biggest news coming out of this strangely enough is that there is going to be a penguin story but not just any penguin story it's going to be written by danny devito art by dan mora we've got the double dannies on a pen on a Penguin story, Danny DeVito, who played the Penguin in Batman Returns, is going to be penning a Penguin story. Just wild. Just wild. I love this. Uh, We also got the announcement that Spinning out of Infinite Frontier, we are going to be getting a Justice League Incarnate five-issue oversized miniseries. Uh, Joshua Williamson, of course, is returning to write, and we've got Andre Bresson and Brandon Peterson as the artists for the first two issues, I believe, uh, with more artists on each issue following that. Williamson has said that this is going to be Act 2 of Infinite Frontier, so everything that happens in this Infinite Frontier series is going to spill over into this Justice League Incarnate series. I really like the Justice League Incarnate team, so I'm looking forward to getting more stories with them, and I can't wait to see exactly where this Infinite Frontier story goes. Uh, We also got some big news when it comes to DC Comics just in general. First off, uh, DC Comics is partnering up with Webtoon, which I guess is a big thing. Um... It looks like DC Comics, from their press release, is going to be partnering up with Webtoon to produce some uh, easy-to-access all-ages webcomics on the platform. I guess it's been a very popular platform with new readers, uh, younger readers as well. So I know this is weird, and I know that it's uh, kind of, you know, on paper poses a big threat to indie writers that are on Webtoon, but... We'll just have to see how this goes. I think it's great that DC Comics is able to um, utilize this kind of platform to get their characters out to new readers and hopefully get them to uh, get into the comics themselves for DC Comics because regardless of how the company is uh, making some just absolutely baffling decisions... Um, I think it's good. I think it's good to get more readers in, and if this is the gateway to get them to read comics or to step into a comic book shop, I'm all for it. Uh, We also got the news that Mark Wade, one of my favorite writers 
ever is returning to DC in 2022. No word on what his project's going to be. No word on what he is going to be working on. But all we know is that Mark Wade is coming back to DC, and I could not be happier about that. He hasn't been working with DC for a very long time. So this is the prodigal son returning. I can't wait to see what he picks up because you know that is going to be a day one buy for me. And then the final piece of news, the news I want to wrap up here is pretty big news as well when it comes to the realm of DC Comics, and that is in the pages of Batman Urban Legends number six that dropped last week. Our sweet baby boy, Timothy Jackson Drake, came out as bisexual. A very big moment for him as a character, very big moment for fans of that character, and of course it's going to ruffle some feathers with people who are who they are um but i think this is great i'm really excited to see where this where they take this character um and it's just it's a big moment it's a big moment when you take a character like this who has been fairly queer coded for i think a very long time regardless of whether you want to ignore that stuff or not or whether you want to um I don't know whether you, however you feel about this, this is the status quo for him going forward. I'm excited about the character. You know how much I love Tim Drake. He is the best Robin. We can talk about, you know, post-Robin careers and whatnot, but as the role of Robin, Tim Drake is the tops. And now we get a even bigger spotlight on him thanks to this, so I am all for it. And speaking of Tim Drake, that is going to wrap up the news segment, and then it's going to transition us right on into the main event of this week's episode, the main course, the entree, if you will, which features the Geeksplained spotlight on one of my favorite Tim Drake stories of all time, A Lonely Place of Living. You guys used to be the greatest, Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo. Maybe you should ask him. I did. And you'll never guess what he said. Things change. I wish that we could save today. But I know we can't stay the same. And I keep pushing you away. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for me. I wish that we could save today. But I know we can stay the same. And I keep pushing you away. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for me. Home is such a lonely place without you. Home is such a lonely So for the longest time, there's always been this debate, right, among comic book fans, DC comic fans, Batman fans, where who is the best Robin? I even did an episode on this way back. If you want to go back in the archives, I ranked the Robins. And there are many schools of thought when it comes to how you grade who the best Robin is, how you grade you know, do you grade them by just their careers, Robin? Do you grade them by their career post-Robin? But for me, when it always came down to a discussion about who is the best Robin, who is the best partner to Batman, for me, it's always been one Timothy Jackson Drake Wayne. 
Tim Drake has been a big favorite of mine since I was a kid. He was always the quiet Robin. He was the... I guess you could call him the nerdy Robin. (laughs) If the four main Robins, Dick, Jason, Tim, and Damien, were all Ninja Turtles, easily, easily, Tim is the Donatello. And that's always kind of spoken to me. Tim has been probably the most underserved Robin. He's the one that most people sleep on, even though he was Robin for a very long time. And when many people think of Robin Generally, the image that pops up is of Tim Drake, whether you realize it or not. The Tim Drake costume, the original Robin Tim Drake costume, was the costume used by Dick Grayson in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Tim Drake has been utilized in the new Batman Adventures, the part two of the Batman Animated Series, and in every single Batman medium, whether they mean to or not, Tim Drake is a part of that Robin character. And Tim Drake was a character that I have always been a fan of. There's just something about the Tim Drake character that speaks to me. Dick Grayson is always going to be my guy, but Tim Drake was a character who I always wanted to see succeed, who I wanted to see on that same kind of stage that Dick found himself on. And later on, I would say in the last like 10-12 years, uh, Jason Todd has also seen him on that stage as well. And And when I got to the news of the past week, when we found out that in the pages of Batman Urban Legends, specifically the most recent issue, Batman Urban Legends number six, in his story that was uh, written by Megan Fitzmartin with art by Belen Ortega, I hope I said that correctly, uh, this issue basically ended or at least his story ended with Tim essentially coming out as bi and this was a big deal for a lot of people both on the positive side and on the not so positive side lots of pitchforks and angry people going oh you know why did you change Tim Drake and I personally didn't see any kind of big change for him it's an evolution it's a you know, it is a change for him personally, and it's a change for his direction, certainly, but it didn't go against anything that hadn't been set up before. Tim Drake has always been kind of this character who's nebulous when it comes to his romantic connections. Of course, his main romance and the one that I always subscribe to is his on-again, off-again relationship with Stephanie Brown. I love the two of them together. Um, They're one of my favorite comic book couples, but But he's also had some very strong relationships with characters like Connor Kent, specifically. Uh, The two of them have had a very close bond, and not to say that it's not possible for two heterosexual males to have a close bond together. I have several very close bonds with good brothers of mine, but... There have been hints throughout the decades since his creation about something more going on there and something more going on between him and other characters throughout the DC universe. So this was kind of a light bulb moment. This was kind of a um, a new status quo shift for him. And with Tim Drake kind of being back on that world stage now with all eyes on him, uh, I've 
figured it was time to actually talk about one of my favorite stories featuring the character. I have been a big fan of his, as I said, for a long time. I've loved every single story that he's ever been in, though some of them have not treated him very well. And even though I... I would say probably my favorite Tim Drake story is the Red Robin run post uh, Final Crisis. I wanted to give a special uh, look at a more recent story, something that I think really speaks to Tim Drake as a character and really speaks to his staying power as a Robin. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the character of Tim Drake, a couple Quick beats, quick lowdown on him. Timothy Jackson Drake Wayne uh, was created by Marv Wolfman and Pat Broderick and first appeared in Batman number 436 way back in the far-flung past of August 1989. Uh, He's been on several different teams throughout the DC Universe, but is most commonly known as Robin or Red Robin. And the story that I wanted to feature as part of our Geeksplain Spotlight series, where every single month I take a special look at a graphic novel, limited series, whatever, and talk about why I love it, is the little bitty arc in the middle, or I guess near the end of the run of James Tynan IV's Detective Comics. This was one of my favorite titles in the Rebirth era and featured this story called The Rise of the Batman, where... Essentially, uh, Batman and Batwoman set up this X-Men-style team in the heart of Gotham City to kind of do the things that the that Batman would normally do, but having it be a team. This team comprised of Batman, Batwoman, Robin, Stephanie Brown, spoiler, Cassandra Kane going by the codename Orphan at this time, later on also including Batwing, and then... Clayface, which I think is the most interesting of the group, but this story really pushed Tim into the forefront because James Tynan IV is a huge Tim Drake fan. Uh, if you've ever heard an interview by him or you've ever had you know the pleasure of having a chat with him, he's been a big Tim Drake fan for a very long time, and this Detective Comics run shows that more than anything, with Tim Drake essentially coming up with the idea for this team and operating out of a watchtower that's set up in the middle of Gotham and he called them the name that I have always wanted a team of uh, superheroes to be called in that operating Gotham City the Gotham Knights even though it's you know the whole story is called the rise and fall of the Batman and all that stuff the Gotham Knights that's why I was really excited when they announced the uh, the video game that's gonna be coming out next year as Gotham Knights but the opening arc of this Uh, run, which was called Rise of the Batman, concluded with Tim seemingly being killed by a drone strike. You know, uh, there had been this big hullabaloo with uh, Batwoman's father, Jacob Kane, him setting up this whole organization that that ran in conflict with the Gotham Knights, and they were going to utilize this fleet of drones to take out dissidents in the Gotham City area to try and more or less eradicate crime. And Tim, realizing that it would result in a large loss, 
loss of life. While everyone was busy actually fighting this opposing force, hacked into the drones and forced them to focus in on one target, that being himself. And in the conclusion of this first arc, in this mo, in this comic where I legitimately teared up and I was very emotional reading, Tim was seemingly absolutely annihilated by these hundreds of drones after putting up a fairly good fight. Uh, there's this beautiful moment where, like, everyone is scattered because they're all dealing with these threats around the city and Batman is rushing. It's very similar to the um, to the Death of the Family storyline where Batman is rushing to try and save one of his Robins and Tim has this moment after he's taken down a fair amount of drones. Like, give props to the boy. He's He, he did his best and he sees that the second wave of drones is coming at him and he's kind of like holding onto his staff to hold himself up. He's exhausted. He's bruised. He's battered. He's bloody. And he kind of takes this moment where he's like, okay, okay. And the next shot is this beautiful page illustrated by Eddie Barrows that just rains down fire upon him and fire and blood and death. And by the time that Batman arrives, his tattered cape and his bow staff are the only thing that's left of him. Except that wasn't exactly what happened. The little, like, post credit scene, essentially, for that issue shows Tim Drake get zapped into this, uh, this cell, this black void, where he is approached by a Mr. Oz, who's telling him that he was getting a little too close to something that threatens the stability of the universe, and so he would be kept off the board. seemingly imprisoned in this other dimensional prison and at the end of the story he basically said I'm going to get out of here my friends are going to come for me Batman's going to come for me and Mr. Oz leaves him and then we don't get another mention of him we don't get another view of Tim Drake for a good long while they go through at least two arcs full of stories before we get our first glimpse at Tim Drake again And in this story, which is called A Lonely Place of Living, it took place in Detective Comics issues 965 through 968. So over the course of four issues, uh, we saw the return of Tim Drake. The story itself is a play on words with the original Tim Drake story, which was called A Lonely Place... A Lonely Place of Dying was the name of his original story, and A Lonely Place of Living is the name of this story where he comes back. So, a little play on words, calling back to his origin, and the story opens up with Tim Drake still imprisoned by Oz, and he is being essentially put on trial. And the story does a really cool thing where it recounts his original, uh, his original story, his origin in the comics where Tim Drake was this kid who was a fan of Batman and Robin, specifically of Robin and was also a big fan of Haley circus when it would come to town. And he deduced the identities of, uh, Batman and Robin by seeing Robin perform a move that only Tim or only Dick Grayson 
would be able to uh, perform. And so from there, he figured out that the secret identities of Batman and Robin were Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. And after the departure of Dick Grayson, who became Nightwing, and the death of Jason Todd, Tim Drake started to see a downward spiral happening in the lives of Batman slash Bruce Wayne. And he sought out Dick Grayson, basically telling him, hey, I know your secret, like, you need to come back and be Robin. And Dick Grayson at this point was like leading the Titans. He was Nightwing and he was like, dude, no. Like, I am my own person now. And that kind of forced Tim's hand. You know, Dick was like, all right, I'll go help him out, but I'm not helping him out as Robin. I'm helping it out as Nightwing. And Tim is like, no, he needs a Robin. Batman needs a Robin. And when Dick Grayson and Batman were captured by Two-Face, Tim Drake took it upon himself to steal a Robin costume from the Batcave along with Alfred, that cheeky bitch, uh, <laughs> who elected to help him rescue Batman and Robin. And Following this, Tim Drake went under went, uh, undergone training, and he became the next Robin. So this story starts off with a flashback of that, as well as keeping up with him in the prison of Oz in this other dimensional space. And what I love so much about this story is that not only does it basically catch us up to where Tim is and give us a direction for Tim to go, but it's also kind of serves as the celebration of Tim Drake. You can tell how much of a fan James Tynan IV is of Tim Drake as a character, because this story is almost a thesis statement on why Tim Drake is so important to the Bat family and to comic books as a whole. Um, Robin has always been a very, a very important part of of not just DC Comics, but comics in general, because he was the first big sidekick. Robin and Bucky were kind of the first two, you know, these are what sidekicks are, and this is what they can bring to comics. And if anything, you know, Dick Grayson set the standard, but Tim Drake elevated it into what the role of Robin could be. He was the detective Robin. He was the one who was closest to what Batman was as a character, while also providing Batman with that guiding light that he needs as a character. And so Tim Drake is in this prison, and he is essentially stalling for time while he hacks into Oz's servers. And this was also around the time that Oz was revealed as uh, Jor-El, who had survived the destruction of Krypton, which I always kind of thought was kind of a lame reveal. I, along with a lot of people, figured Mr. Oz, Ozymandias, that would be the whole deal until we got uh, Doomsday Clock, which showed us that that was not the case. And also in the in the uh, pages of Action Comics, we got the reveal that Mr. Oz was Jor-El. But Tim Drake is able to escape this prison, and he is able to hack into the communications and connects with Batman. Somehow, in this other dimensional space, he connects with Batman. And so he's able to open up another cell and outsteps a Batman. And as, <laughs> as Tim is about to you know embrace him, Doomsday shows up. Doomsday was apparently another one of the prisoners, and instead of opening just this Batman cell, Tim Drake opened up all of the cells. And so, 
uh, Doomsday comes after them. Batman pulls out a gun and starts shooting into Doomsday with kryptonite bullets. And it's revealed that this is not Bruce Wayne. This is Titans of Tomorrow, Tim Drake. And again, what this story does so well for me is that it pays homage to not just Tim as we know him, but Tim as he could be. It harkens back to that awesome Titans of Tomorrow storyline from the... uh, Teen Titans run that featured Bart Allen, Cassie Sandsmark, Connor Kent, and showed a vision of the future of the Titans of the Titans that were just Titans in a future where they kind of went rogue and took out everybody else. You know, Tim was Batman, Connor was Superman, etc., etc. And this Tim Drake, this Batman, is from that timeline. It is that exact Robin. It is that exact Tim Drake. And so the two of them team up to essentially try and escape the uh, the prison while also dealing with Doomsday. So you get this ragtag uh, duo trying to kill, or at least trying to escape and maim the thing that killed Superman. So they're able to make it out. They make it back to... Um, back to Tim's timeline. And this future Tim says, look... I'm going to head back to my timeline. You know, I have tried to, you know, avoid the things that, you know, you you can try to avoid the things that, you know, turned you into me, but things are fixed. Timelines are fixed. Nothing is really, you know, able to be changed. Oh, by the way, tell Connor you're sorry. I know that it's... You know, that might not make sense to you right now, but it is going to fix a lot of things in the future. And this is the pivotal moment in the story when Tim goes, who the hell is Connor? And with this, we need a little bit of uh, subtext and a little bit of context as well, because DC Rebirth was still kind of reeling off of the... uh, was kind of reeling off of the big changes that were made by the New 52. I'm sure everyone knows what the New 52 is, but just in case you are unfamiliar, the New 52 was this initiative way back in the far-flung year of 2011, where there was just a company-wide reboot of continuity of character. And in this reboot, Connor Kent Superboy was nowhere to be seen. This new Superboy that showed up in the Teen Titans book in the New 52, which is... I am sorry to say, not great, uh, is a completely different Connor Kent and is nowhere near the Connor that we are known as. He's not even called Connor Kent. He's called, you know, his Kryptonian name, Connell. But in this reality shift, Tim Drake was never Robin. He was always Red Robin. And he had this whole stupid backstory. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It's not worth talking about. And thankfully, with the Rebirth uh, initiative, they kind of swept that under the rug and we went back to Tim Drake as Tim Drake. And this is a kind of um, a flashpoint moment and not that kind of flashpoint. But the future Tim says, wait a second, what do you mean? And this Tim has never heard of Connor because Connor was never in the New 52. So this... Batman, you know, slashes Tim's arm, pulls off his glove and sees that there's a scar and he realizes time isn't as structured as it is right now. It is in flux and it can be changed. And he has this like, he cries. He says, you know, I can be free. 
and you can be free. And so he goes and he knocks out Tim and he says, I am going to change the future. I'm going to stop this from happening. This future where, you know, everything sucks. I'm Batman. Um, you know, Dick was Batman for a while, but left. Jason's life was ruined. Damien became this evil Batman that I had to put down. And all of this stuff, he says it all centers on this one person. And he says... I am going to kill Batwoman. So what proceeds for this story is this future Batman, this future Tim Drake going after Batwoman, going after Kate Kane with the intent to kill her to prevent his future. And what's so cool about this is that there are little seeds and hints about how much this really does affect the future. Uh, as we would come to see in the stories that follow, Batwoman does make a choice. No spoilers for that story because I want you to read this. Um, Batwoman does make a choice that ends up having some pretty big ramifications. And this Tim Drake is dead set on killing her. And so this whole thing is basically Tim versus Tim over the life of Batwoman and the soul of the Gotham Knights. So Tim gets to return, he gets to reunite with the Bat family who thought he was dead, he gets to reunite with Steph, he gets to reunite with the other Robins who are operating at this point. There's this great throwdown between this older Tim Drake and Jason, Dick, and Damien, and Tim mops the floor with them, okay? Tim was never, like, the martial arts expert out of all of the Robins. You know, Tim is the smart Robin, uh, Dick is the acrobatic Robin, Jason is the tough, street-smart Robin, and Damien is the natural-born killer Robin. But... Tim, in this future version of himself, who has let all of his inhibitions go and is willing to kill at a moment's notice, mops the floor with this group of Robins after having this actually really touching moment with Alfred. Because, you know, Alfred, with just like the other Robins, has this very integral um, role in Tim becoming Robin. In that story that I mentioned earlier, he is the one who facilitates Tim taking the Robin costume to go save Bruce and Dick. And so they have this great little moment together. They have this conversation, which I adore. Um, Alfred's the best. He just is. But they have this great, um, this great confrontation where Tim is fully committed to killing, uh, to killing Kate Kane. They try to protect her. They set her up in the belfry, and lock her down, get her protected, but because of the um, the Brother Eye uh, program that Tim has not only, uh, not only built, created, upgraded, and now has used retroactively to hack all of the other servers, they are being besieged by drones themselves and they are able to uh, defend her against this. They end up having this, you know, climactic fight in the Belfry where it's Tim versus Tim and the story kind of ends on a conversation, which I love. Um, the two of them have this conversation where Tim is like, I'm not going to fight you because you have known fighting all your life. You've known hardship all your life and I am determined not to become you. 
And the future Tim basically tells him, like, if we don't kill Kate Kane, she is going to make a choice that is going to force you into becoming me. You don't have a choice. I don't have a choice if we don't kill her. And so Tim makes this plea to him, basically saying, like, the reason that we became Robin was to make Batman a better Batman, was to make the world a better place. And obviously I'm paraphrasing here, but he says that knowing what I know, wanting to, you know, turn the Gotham Knights into something, wanting to improve not just Gotham, but the the wider world around it, I need the chance to do this. You have had your opportunity. You will, you know, regardless of what choices I make, the future is still unwritten here. And during this whole thing, you know, Tim is, or the future Tim is being, he's having that, like, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, like, glitch effect, where he's like, you know, the timeline doesn't like being changed, and I am trying to change it so it does not like me being here. And so he is getting pulled back to his timeline. And this conversation that the two of them have really kind of gets down to the heart of Tim Drake as a character and really kind of gets down to who Tim Drake is as a person. He wants to save the world and he wants to do that by saving people, not making big strokes, not trying to, you know, correct things by making choices for people, but by doing the best that he can to allow people to make those choices. And so the two of them have this conversation where they get to reminisce a little bit. Um, Tim once again, like mentions Connor and again, Tim, our, our Tim Drake has no idea who Connor is. And so this Tim Drake gets pulled back into his timeline And with the conclusion of this, we kind of call back to the uh, prior story before the, you know, before the conclusion of the Rise of the Batman arc that opened up this whole run, where Tim set up the Gotham Knights. His original idea was to set up the Gotham Knights as a replacement for him. He set up this whole system, this computerized um, algorithm that could direct them to threats and do all the things that Tim could do because he got accepted into an Ivy League university and he wanted to try and live his life. You know, there's been this big push for Damian Wayne as Robin and with, you know, Dick being off as Nightwing, Jason doing his Red Hood deal, and Damian being Robin, Tim was kind of at this loss and he didn't know exactly what he wanted to do with his life. So he wanted to try and maybe strike out on his own and maybe go and try to live a normal life that he's been denied. There's this beautiful moment when uh, they all believe that Tim is dead, that Batman shows up to Steph's apartment and he's like, look, I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And she was like, of course I'm not okay. Like, Tim's dead. And Batman tells her, like, look, I know, but Tim chose this life, he wanted to do this, and Steph shows him the acceptance letter from the university that he was accepted. And there's this, oh my god, it's heartbreaking. There's this great page where um, it's from Batman's perspective, and he's looking at the letter, his hands start to shake, and he drops the letter, and he's at this loss for words, because he realizes that Tim didn't know how to tell him, but he was going to quit. 
And there's this beautiful moment where the two of them just kind of share in this anguish and sorrow. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You should read this whole run. I'm serious. You need to read it. It's wonderful. But at the conclusion of this story, Tim is basically like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I know that I need some time. And I am going to try to make this, you know, the best decisions I can to avert this catastrophic worst case scenario that the future Tim is, you know, putting in front of us. And unfortunately, as we come to see, again, no spoilers, um, Batwoman is at the heart of something that ends up bringing this arc and this run to an end. But Throughout the story and throughout, you know, the stories that Tim would feature in following that, whether it's in Detective Comics, whether it was in Batman, whether it was in Young Justice, um, all of the stories, Future State even, that feature Tim Drake, one thing that has been crystal clear to me is that Tim Drake is a Robin for everyone. His best stories when he was getting the first mind you, Robin solo comic, were that he was the Robin that fought for everybody. Regardless of who you were, where you came from, what your social status was, what your, you know, how rich you were, how poor you were, your uh, sexual orientation, Tim Drake was a Robin for everybody. And in every story that has ever featured Tim Drake, he has always fought for people's rights to exist and for people's rights to choose how they decide to live their life you know there are plenty of stories and plenty of you know conversations that are made between uh comic fans like myself and creators and companies and all this stuff about how um no one can really connect to comics nowadays which is a shame because comics at their core are stories about everyday people, whether they can, um, whether they can fly and shoot lasers out of their eyes, or whether they have to use a grappling hook to get around, making choices to protect people and to protect everyday people in every walks in every walk of life. And what this story does, what a lonely or a, uh, a Lonely Place of Living does, just the same as A Lonely Place of Dying does, just as every story that has ever featured Tim Drake does, is it shows why Tim Drake matters. It shows why he's Robin, why he took up the mantle, and it was to make the world a better place by helping everybody, regardless of who you are. And what I love so much about that story and why I wanted to talk about it in regards to and in relation to the news for Tim Drake over the past week is that regardless of how you feel about it, whether you like this change, whether you don't like this change when it comes to Tim Drake's sexuality, nothing is invalidated about Tim Drake prior to this story in Batman Urban Legends number six. Nothing is invalidated. There is no huge change to Tim Drake's character. And there's nothing about the character that has, you know, ruined him or, um, you know, taken this character away from someone. Like, it is still Tim Drake. 
Tim Drake will always be Tim Drake. Tim Drake will always be the guy who fights for everybody. Tim Drake will always be the guy who stood up to these ridiculous costumed criminals and said, I am here to help people. And Tim Drake, regardless of his sexual orientation, which, you know, at the end of the day is not what defines people. You know, you are not defined by your sexuality. And in that way, I would say Tim Drake is still Tim Drake, whether he's straight, whether he's gay, whether he's bi, like Tim Drake is still the same character that we all fell in love with. And if there is, you know, if you were a listener out there who is struggling with this revelation for Tim Drake, I want to say, ask yourself, you know, what about this changes the way that you look at Tim Drake? And what about this changes him as a, at the core of his character? Because for me, as a fan of Tim Drake, this doesn't change anything. This doesn't change my love for the character. This doesn't change any story that he's featured in. You know, if anything, when, you know, this future Tim Drake during the story says, you know, apologize to Connor, you're not going to know what that means right now, but it's going to be important in the future. It, you know, it leans in a certain direction and it feeds, you know, that that, you know, long-kept secret, I guess, that Tim Drake has always kind of struggled with his identity. This is a step towards Tim Drake realizing who he is. You know, the story in question that gets people so hot and bothered over the past week ends with Tim Drake saying, you know, I don't know what this means for me yet. I don't know what direction this is going to take me in, but I want to find out. And ultimately, Tim's story from the very first moment that he showed up on Dick Grayson's doorstep, through all the crises, through all the team-ups and the breakups, and through all his trials and tribulations, Tim's story has always been about identity, whether it was as Robin, whether it was as a greater hero, whether it was as the son of Bruce Wayne, the son of Jack Drake. Tim Drake has always been fighting and searching for his identity. And through this story, not just Batman Urban Legends number six, but through this story, through a lonely place of living, Tim Drake is taking steps towards finding out who he is, like all of us. And regardless of all of the company-wide shakeups, regardless of all the, you know, ridiculous things that go on in the <laughs> scope of the DC universe, Tim Drake is who he has always been. That is the best Robin, that is sometimes Red Robin, and that is Tim Drake. And to be honest, that's good enough for me. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you pick up your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we've got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, it was pretty tough. Um... 
I went back and forth between a few books, but honestly, I had to settle on Batman 89 number one, written by Sam Hamm, art by Joe Quinones. I loved this issue. Uh, Say what you will about how flawed the Tim Burton vision of the Dark Knight is. There's something captivating about that era of Gotham. There's something captivating about the seeds that that movie planted that I'm really excited for them to explore in this series. The Quinones art was incredible. Incredible. Uh, we got our first look at this version of Robin. So I am all about this. Cannot wait to read more from this. But that's last week's books. Let's take a look back at this week's books. So we've got five, we've got ten books once again, double digits. And boy, howdy, do we have some books to talk about. So let's go ahead and dive into the list. First off, Batman Catwoman number six, written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann. I have been enjoying it so far, but I feel like we should be further along in the story. I just, I I don't know. Like, I feel like, I'm sure it's been monthly releases so far, but it just feels like there are large gaps between the release of this, and I'm sure, again, it's just me making it up out of my mind, but... I've been enjoying it so far. The parallel timelines can get a little messy sometimes, but I think as the series has gone on, they've solidified themselves a little bit more, and I'm excited to see where the story goes next. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Bat and the Cat, Chapter 6. As mysteries deepen, so do resentments. Throughout her life, Catwoman's actions have caused many close to her to doubt her motivations. Bruce Wayne, Phantasm, and now her daughter have all had their suspicions about her deals with the Joker. And when she killed the old clown, did it trigger this feline's ninth life? Or maybe it was really over all those years ago, the first time Phantasm drew her blood and Batman had to face a harsh truth. There are big revelations waiting to be found here at the halfway point in Tom King and Clayman's final word on the Bat-Cat romance. So it looks like we're going to be getting some revelations here. We're going to be getting some answers. Looking forward to picking this up. Next up, we have Superman and the Authority number two. This is written by Grant Morrison with Arpe Mikkel Janine, and I really enjoyed that first issue. I think there are a ton of questions I still have, and I am... You know, we're still waiting on the entire team to be brought together, but it looks like we're going to be getting more of them in this issue. Now we're going to have Superman and Manchester Black try and bring these characters together. So looking forward to this for sure. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Clark Kent and Manchester Black continue to put Superman's new team together. Even though keeping Black in check seems like just as difficult a job as convincing the new recruits to come along. The pair hits different parts of the world looking for different types of heroes. While Midnighter, Apollo, and Natasha Irons only need to tie up some loose ends before getting on board, the Enchantress is going to be a little harder. Superman is going to have to set her free from a deadly illusion hell-bent on destroying her before she can help him save the universe. So we still don't know exactly why Superman is bringing this team together. We do know that he's been depowered somewhat. But hopefully we're going to get more answers in this week's issue. Next up we have Blue and Gold number 2. This is written by Dan Jurgens with art by Ryan Sook. And you know what? 
I really, really loved that first issue. I love having these two dorks trying to get into the Justice League, them not really making the cut, though one of them did. Check out the last issue to find out which one. And I'm excited to see what shenanigans these two get into. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Who needs the Justice League anyway? Our heroes certainly don't. After a painful rejection from the DC Universe's team of A-list heroes, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle strike out on their own. Thanks to the court industry's fortune, anything is possible for this dynamic duo. Right? Little do they know, an alien assassin seeking revenge places Blue and Gold in her crosshairs, and the Omnizon never misses. Ooh, so they're going to be getting hunted down in this issue. Very excited. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Iron Man number 11. This is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Angel Unzueta. And so far, this galaxy-hopping adventure with Tony Stark versus Korvac has been... If nothing else, subverting all expectations. I expected a very grounded back-to-basics approach for Iron Man, and within six issues, we're off into space, fighting a near-god. So I am loving the twists and turns that this series has brought me on. Um, I'm... Very interested to see how this all wraps up, because last issue placed Tony in a very peculiar place. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Walking away from Omelas. After bringing down an Ultima robot nearly single-handedly, Iron Man continues to investigate the strange and small colony on the remote planet where he's been marooned. Life here seems perfect, but is it? And who's possibly pulling the strings behind its delicate design? As Tony digs deeper for answers, an astral projection of Hellcat warns him that Korvac is still the biggest threat they all face. Unless Tony gives into addiction, this time in the form of pain medication for his many injuries. Featuring another appearance by everyone's favorite armored Canadian hero, Avro X, plus Stiltman. I always have time for Stiltman. There is always room for more Stiltman. Bring on the Stiltman. Next up, we have Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number three. This is written by Tom King with art by Bilkis Evely. And I have been loving this series so far. I didn't think I was going to love this as much as I do, but oh man, is it good. This vengeance tale of basically dropping uh, Supergirl into a space western has been awesome so far. I've been loving it and I can't wait to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Supergirl's journey across the cosmos continues. Her hunt to bring the killer crammed to justice brings her and the young alien in her care to a small planet, where they discover that there are still some very small minds, even on the outer edges of the galaxy. The cold welcome the locals give the woman of steel makes her suspicion enough to go looking for secrets they want to keep buried. But what she finds is nothing short of horrifying. Can she and Ruthie get off the planet alive now that these deadly sins have been exposed? So I am very much looking forward to this. I've been loving it so far. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Radiant Black number seven. 
This is written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa, and this has been great so far. I didn't expect it to go the Power Rangers route, but I am very much looking forward to seeing how it goes, and I've been loving it so far. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. New story arc. Picking up from the shocking ending of issue 5, Radiant Black's life just got a whole lot more complicated. Pursued by a new enemy and not sure who to trust, will our hero escape with his life, or is this the beginning of the end for Radiant Black? So yeah, looking forward to this. This should be fantastic. Next up, we have Nightwing number 83. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. You know how much I love Nightwing, and this series has been incredible. Very much looking forward to seeing this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. It's a fight for the soul of the city. Now that Dick Grayson has inherited more money than he could possibly need, he has an idea on how he can help the city with it, and it's time for him to announce it to the world. But with Bloodhaven so beyond saving, what idea does he have that could possibly save it? Meanwhile, an unexpected figure comes into play with a plan to buy the city and all the power that goes with it from Blockbuster. Things are about to get messy for new public figure Dick Grayson, but maybe he can enlist some help from his friend, Nightwing. So I am very interested in what direction this is going to take Dick Grayson. Um, He's never been like a public figure like this before, Uh, not since the days of him being a ward for Bruce Wayne, so... Looking forward to this. This is going to be something special for sure. Next up, we have Marauders number 23. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Yvonne Fiorelli. And this is the start of a new chapter for the Marauders. Post uh, Hellfire Gala, post everything that happened at the Hellfire Gala. And on this cover, we get a couple new members of the Marauders, that being Mr. Banshee and Tempo. I hope they're mainstay members, especially since we lost a couple members of the Marauders. Looking forward to this. Let's go ahead and check out what the synopsis is. Screaming into Battle As new problems face mutant kind in Ireland, the Marauders bring in Banshee for some assistance. Meanwhile, one prominent member of Verendi has their mind changed. So this sounds like Banshee's gonna be maybe a new first mate? I don't know. Very much looking forward to this. Next up, basically from here on, these last two books are my two big books of the week. The books I think you should absolutely be checking out. First off, the final issue of this miniseries, Superman Red and Blue number 6, written by Rex Ogle, Tom King, Darcy Little Badger, and Matt Wagner, as well as Sophie Campbell, with art by Sophie Campbell. Matt Wagner, Steve Pugh, Paolo Rivera, and a gorgeous cover by Doc Shaner. I love everything about this. I'm sad that this story is ending, but I'm very, very happy with the story we got. It's been fantastic so far. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. It's the final issue of this free-form anthology, featuring the Metropolis Marvel in new stories bedazzled by his signature colors. It's the only place to see Superman chasing down headlines in a classic style and taking pause to reflect on growing up on a farm in Smallville. Not to mention the return of Streaky the Supercat by superstar cartoonist Sophie Campbell. 
So they are going out with a bang on this story. I have loved the Superman Red and Blue anthology. I am sad to see it go, but I can't wait to pick up this final issue. And, of course, tying for Big Book of the Week... It's X-Men The Trial of Magneto. You knew it was going to be The Trial of Magneto. This is one of the biggest stories of the year. Marvel, DC, whatever. Um, This is a big deal. Spinning out of the Hellfire Gala and spoilers, the death of Scarlet Witch. Um... This is one of the biggest stories. This is the story that is going to lead us into Inferno and beyond. Uh, Written by Leah Williams, art by Lucas Wernack. I cannot wait to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The story that will shake Krakoa to its core. A horrific murder. A shocking revelation. A trial that will divide the mutant nation. Leah Williams and Lucas Wernick bring you a new epic that threatens the reign of X and will upend the world of mutants. The truth is hidden, the danger is far from over, and the trial has begun. I absolutely love this. I cannot wait to pick this up. I want to know all of the things. The Jonathan Hickman era of X-Men got a big shot in the arm with the murder of Scarlet Witch, and the reign of X promises to be the biggest chapter in this story so far. Cannot wait to pick this up. But that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Batcat number 6, Superman and the Authority number 2, Blue and Gold number 2, Iron Man number 11, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number 3, Radiant Black number 7, Nightwing number 83, Marauders number 23, Superman Red and Blue number 6, and X-Men The Trial of Magneto number 1. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, subscriptions, they really help me out. They really helps the podcast out in this weird podcast algorithm space, kind of raises our stock up and gets us into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write whatever you want. You give me that five-star rating and review, and I will read it here. And you can join the likes of our nearly dirty dozen. That includes Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, and A-Lock and A-Z. I want to say a big thank Thank you to all of these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. Also, if you want to be part of our Geeksplain mailbag, if you have a question for me, you want to get my opinion on something, maybe a quick pitch, or some recommendations that we might not have covered yet on the podcast, feel free to email me. You can send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com. Just put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the podcast. And you can be like our good friend, the real deal himself, Brian Real, who writes, Hi, Eric. Hope all is well with you. I wanted to ask you that if you had to have your life drawn by any comic artist of your choice, whose style do you think would best fit who you are or who is the coolest to think have illustrate your life? I'm getting a Rob Liefeld, lots of pouches vibe for you right now, but I can't be sure until you give the answer. You son of a... Uh, he says, keep up the good work on the pod and stay safe. Best Brian. Brian, always good to hear from you. Why do you have to hurt me this way by bringing up Mr. Liefeld? Um, no. 
no, Rob Liefeld would not be the artist I would choose. Of course, you know I gotta go with my boy Doc Shaner. Either him or Chris Somney. Those are my two favorite artists, and I absolutely adore everything they do, and I would be honored to even just have a commission from them. Um, They're incredible. I love everything that they touch. Even if the character isn't something that I'm super into, I will absolutely tune in every single time I see their name on a comic. So that is who I would pick. Once again, thank you to Brian Real for writing in, even though you had to give me that dig with the Rob Liefeld. I'm shaking my fist at you. You can't see because it's audio. But Again, if you want to be part of the Geeksplain mailbag, email geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here. Finally, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, uh, you can feel free to follow us on the socials, Instagram and Twitter. A little more active on Twitter than I am on Instagram. I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to be active on both, but there's just only so many hours of the day. Uh, at Geeksplained Pod is the place to find us. That that's at Geeksplained P O D. We're talking all kinds of stuff with all the news that's been going on. I've been very active on Twitter over there, so uh, feel free to check that out. Also, if you do follow us on Twitter, that'll be you'll get the first notifications up there when our new episodes go live every single Wednesday, as well as a link to the Apple Podcast link to check out that episode. So, if you want to keep up to date with that, that is the place to. But that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, First off, I want to say thank you very much to everyone who wished me a happy birthday last week. It was wonderful. Got to spend some time in Big Bear with my partner. We had a great time. She, uh, neither of us are really like go out people. So we spent a lot of time kind of up in our room. But we got to walk around the village. If you've ever been to Big Bear, it's a wonderful little lake, lake town. It's great. We love it up there. It was our second time going. It was a great time. And then on my birthday, on August 12th, we really just kind of hung out. Didn't really do anything, which was nice. We uh, did a little bit of day drinking, had a... uh, little uh, mystery murder mystery board game night with uh, our friends Jess and Chris so it was a great time thank you very much again to everyone who wished me happy birthday I really felt the love it was fantastic and then other than that I mean life is just you know doing doing what we're doing right now as I'm recording this our cat Babs is uh, at the vet for a dental cleaning which apparently is a bigger deal than I thought it was so um, I am I'm just kind of flabbergasted by this. Um, she doesn't really do well at the vet, so fingers crossed that this visit goes a little bit better than her last one. But uh, yeah, that wraps up this week's episode. That does it for me here. Next week, we're going to be seeing the return of a very special guest, a good brother of mine, and we're going to be talking some Spidey comics. So tune in next week for that same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will See you next time. We're falling faster than we can fly. Forgotten seconds out on Sunset Drive. And I hold on tight, but not enough to hold you back. It feels like the moon. Into outer space without you. This room is such a lonely place without you.
Sunset Drive 